Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Daniel Van Kirk. I am here. And our guest on the show is our favorite murderer because she murders this episode. Karen Kilgariff, thanks for joining. It was my pleasure. What a joy. We, talk about, we talk about swords. Oh yeah. Uh, sword uh, stores. Sword yeah. stores. A guy who might have deserved to get attacked. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying he did, but he might have. He's an e <laughs> Athlete, yeah, he's an, an athlete. athlete. That's everybody. all you need to know. That's all you need right. to know. Talk and about Claudia tiny, and her life changes. Tiny Sasquatches, <laughs> tiny Sasquatches, and the Sheboygan Clogger. Which, you, yeah, that, we need the town's help on that one. This is it. It is sword stores, tiny Sasquatches, <laughs> and the Sheboygan Clogger with Karen Kilgariff. You have to listen to this week's episode of Dumb People Town. It's the Starburns Industries Tape of the Month Club. 12 original cassette tapes delivered to your door. Each month, you'll receive a crisp new cassette tape of auditory delights made by some of the most funky and creative artists around. Featuring Dino Stamatopoulos, Natalie Palamides, Johnny Pemberton, Dan Harmon, future ladies of wrestling, Alan Resnick and Dina Kelberman, Dynasty Handbag, Jeff B. Davis, Rob Schraub, Lance Bangs, DJ Doug Pound, Cron, Open Mike Eagle, Ron Lynch, and on and on and on. Subscribe now. $13 gets you a crisp, unique tape in the mail each month. For $20, you receive a portable cassette player so you can listen to your tapes on the go. Here's how to order. For credit card customers, please call 747-888-0945. That's 747-888-0945. Or save COD charges and log onto the World Wide Web at d.rip forward slash sbi dash press. It's a good deal. It's a good show. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's me, Steve. Solo. Well, this isn't going to be a solo episode. This will be a busy-less episode. Um, busy is on vacation with her family and kind of hard to get a hold of. So I just took matters into my own hands. I was going to do uh, listener emails, but then um, I thought uh, it might be good to talk to my friend Dan Telfer, who I'm going to give a call to in a little while. Dan is a cancer survivor, and um, it's really not something we've touched upon on this podcast yet. So uh, Dan was uh, good enough to say, yeah, give me a call. So we'll talk to Dan about uh, his experience with uh, cancer and survival and, you know, advice to anyone who may be dealing with this. And even people who aren't dealing with this and, um, you know, just, yeah, need to just go to the doctor. You just got to go to the doctor once in a while. You should be getting yearly checkups at the very least. Even if you feel fine, just have a, you know, go to a doctor, you know, have your cholesterol and blood pressure tested and maybe have a blood test done. It's really easy and it's not, you know, a lot of people have a fear. There's a stigma, stigma with just going to a doctor. Um, but, uh, it's, it's honestly, I've never find found it to be as bad as I used to make it out to be in my head when I was younger. I, I used to be so afraid of going to the doctor, even if it was, you know, just for a checkup. But um, that's, you know, that's how you find out if there is something wrong. You got to uh, got to do it, guys. Um, I will fill you in on what's been happening with me. You know, the last episode we did, Busy and I did, um, I mentioned I had had the nuclear stress test. And um, 
that uh, I hadn't actually seen my doctor yet, but he called me with the results to say that my heart seemed fine and uh, that I would have my actual meeting with him in person uh, Monday, which was two days ago. So I did finally go in to see my cardiologist. I didn't get much more information other than, you know, he looked at my heart scan and said it looked good. There was not, you know, there was no blockage, um, which is just incredible to me. I don't eat great all the time. You know, I go through ups and downs, but in general, I have too much coffee, you know, occasional soda, and I love the carbs. So I, I was honestly shocked that he wasn't like, yeah, you have some plaque buildup in one of your arteries. Like, there was nothing. He was like, yeah, your heart is, you have a healthy heart. And, you know, we discussed this uh, this extra heartbeat that I was getting, and he's like, there's, honestly, there's a lot that could be causing it. Um, he said he wouldn't worry about it because, you know, it's not coming from any of the, uh, the red flag areas. Um He's like, sometimes people just get this. It could be stress-related. You know, it could be dietary. I should be, you know, trying out magnesium because I know a lot of people who have said they've had these uh, weird heartbeats, uh, have taken magnesium, and it really seemed to help. So I should try that. He's like, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. (laughs) He's like, anything you want to try that's not harmful, try it, you know. But he did, they did take my blood pressure, which was, slightly high. I think part of that was because a lot of times when I'm in the doctor's office, I don't know how many of you this happens to, but as soon as they put that sleeve on my arm to take my blood pressure, my heart rate goes up because I'm I'm nervous that I'm going to have high blood pressure. So that's just a double-edged sword where it's like, oh, we're going to put this on to see if your heart beats at a normal rate. And as soon as they do, my heart heart rate goes up because I'm nervous and I had just had a lot of coffee. So it was slightly higher. And he's like, when you usually go to the doctor, how is your heart rate heart rate? And I'm like, it's, I go, my blood pressure is always like spot on where it should be. I go, it's probably because of the coffee I had and all the stairs I just climbed to get here just now. And uh, I go, I don't know. I've been stressed. So he goes, yeah, you're probably fine. But Let's try a low-sodium diet for a month. Ugh. So I'm supposed to be doing low-sodium for the next month, and I get, and then I'll go back in for a follow-up, and uh, we'll see. I guess no fries, and uh, I, I really do love salt. And because I've never really had high blood pressure, it hasn't been an issue for me putting salt on shit. <laughs> So now I'm back. I think I mentioned, you know, at one point in this podcast because of my vertigo, they thought I had Meniere's disease. And so they're like, you should have a try low salt diet. And that lasted like a week because it was just everything tasted so, (laughs) so bland. But again, it's better to be healthy and and there's ways around it. I I just got to commit to doing this shit. Um, You know, old habits are hard to break, but not impossible. Uh, what else? So yeah, that was Monday. I went in to see my cardiologist. Everything checked out. Everything was great. Um, 
And then same day I went to my urologist because I, you know, I posted something on Instagram, uh, you know, for those of you listening who don't follow us, follow us on Instagram. Uh, it's at no docs, D O C S podcast at no docs podcast, right? Yeah. At no docs podcast, um, on Instagram. And, um, I posted a photo of me in the urologist's office, which was Monday, not yesterday. So this is Monday. Um, I went from Century City, which is uh, about as far away from Burbank as you can get. And then, so then I had to drive in traffic across LA to go to my urologist. And it was because I've been having really bad back pains. And I know a lot of it is because I've been sitting a lot. I've been in my car driving to a lot of appointments, auditions, um, been doing some writing. So I've been, I've just been sitting more than usual, which is, which always affects my back because I don't stretch enough. And so I've been having some back issues, mostly in my lower back, but, um, uh, also in, in the middle side of the middle right side of my back, kind of over near where my kidneys are, my kidney, it's on my right side. So it was my right kidney. And it was very similar to the pain I had leading up to passing my last kidney stone. So I've been very paranoid and, uh, I haven't been able to get in to see the, uh, urologist in like a week because I've just been so busy. And so, uh, I finally made it over there. And just as a precaution, because last time I passed this kidney stone, you know, I had to go to the emergency room and it cost me some money. And, uh, even with insurance, it still cost me money. And, uh, the doctor was like, um, you know, you don't have to wait until it's so bad that you need to go to the emergency room. He's like, if you're feeling the discomfort or even if you're not, and you're just someone who tends to get kidney stones, he's like, you can always go get an x-ray. And if you have a significant kidney stone, it will show up in an x-ray, like get your kidneys x-rayed. And, uh, so, you know, to any of you listening who have, chronic kidney stones or have had them once in a while, if it's something you're nervous about, um, it's something, you know, and getting an, an x-ray is a lot cheaper than going to the emergency room. And I was like, where do I do that? And he's like, well, you can do it here at the urologist's office, but there's actually, you know, labs that you can go to just look it up online that you can just go in and get an x-ray. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. So, I kind of tried to do a preemptive thing yesterday and, uh, I was sure I had a kidney stone. You know, it's been about a year and a half to two years since my last one, which is kind of like clockwork for me. And so, and then this pain started. So I was like, Oh God, I know I have a kidney stone. I just know it. And I went in and, um, did the urine sample whenever you go to the urologist, like the first thing they do. And I, I got there and I'd been drinking coffee and water, not even realizing, Oh, I'm going to have to do a urine sample. But as I'm getting to the urologist's office, <laughs> I like had to pee so bad that I, I couldn't like my, I couldn't stand still. And I, I wanted to, just pinch my dick off. Like it, I had to go so bad. And I was like, Oh my God. And I almost went into the bathroom in the lobby and I go, Oh my God, no, they're going to ask for a urine sample. 
I was like, well, this is great. So I rush up there. I go into the doctor's office. I check in. And there's one person ahead of me in line. And I, I was a little bit early. And I'm sitting. I'm like, okay, they're going to call me in any time. And I posted a photo on my Instagram in my stories of like, the lobby just filled, like the waiting room filled up. There was not one empty seat. There was, there was like 35 people in this urology center uh, waiting room. And people started going in ahead of me that came in after me. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad that like, I don't know. I guess I could have just gone to the front desk and said, I know that you guys are going to ask me for a urine sample. Can I do that right now? Because I'm about to explode. But they eventually call me, and so we go in, and the, the nurse is like, uh, do you think you can give us a urine sample right now? I was like, I have no problem. I'm like, give me that cup. I have to go so bad. She hands me a cup, points me to the bathroom, and she was like, pee into this cup, and then put it in, open that sliding door and put it in there, and, um, and you'll be good. I go in. I'm holding the cup. I unzip my pants, take my dick out. And just instinctively just start peeing into the toilet while I'm holding this cup, not peeing into the cup. Like, I just, like, immediately spaced out that I was supposed to pee into a cup. So I'm just sitting there, like, going, oh, this feels so good. Just going right into the toilet. In my other hand, an empty cup that I'm supposed to be peeing into. And as I am almost done... I just look at the cup in my hand and just go, oh, 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 shit. And I <laughs> I managed to get, you know, like a quarter of the cup filled uh, because I was just finishing. Um, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but then I go into the, into the uh, examining room. The doctor comes in and uh, he's like, so what are you here for? He goes, and he looks at my chart. He's like, oh, you, you were here like a year, you know, two years ago for a kidney stone. I was like, yeah, I, I'm having some back pain. And uh, I go, it could go either way. It might be just muscular. But, um, you know, the previous doctor that I had seen there who's no longer there said, you know, I can just come in and get an x-ray and we'll see. So he's like, yeah, okay, we can do that. And um, he goes, uh, did you do a urine sample? And he had an assistant there with him, this guy with a, a laptop. And I go, yeah, I did a urine sample. And he had the guy on the laptop. He's like, can you bring that up and see how it is? And I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to hear that, hear that fucking guy say, uh, yeah, there's traces of blood. Because um, usually if you're about to pass a kidney stone or if you are passing a kidney stone, there will be blood in your urine. Not visible either. Like that's what kind of surprised me the first time I uh, had a kidney stone. They're like, oh, yeah, you, you have blood in your urine. And I was like, I don't, I haven't seen any. And they're like, yeah, it's just, it's not enough for you to detect with your eyes, but it's showing up in a test. So I'm waiting to hear that. He's like, how is his urine? His assistant goes, it's totally clear. I immediately just had a breath of like, just a release, a release of just like, oh, thank God. And the doctor goes, well, that's a good sign. He goes, usually... You know, if your urine test comes up clear for no blood, that raises the percentage like to like 97% that you're not passing a kidney stone. And so I'm like feeling great now at this point. He's like, so let's go do, we'll do an ultrasound and an x-ray. So I go in and I do the ultrasound 
finishes that and then uh, the doctor comes back in and he looks at the ultrasound and he's like your kidneys are not swollen he's like he's like it's not looking like you have a kidney stone so we go in to do the x-ray do the x-ray i'm feeling super cocky now i'm like ah oh, fuck yeah I'm taking photos putting them on instagram <laughs> and then i hear him <laughs> i hear the doctor and his assistant looking at my uh x-ray in the in the hallway I just hear right side. Um, then I start getting scared again. And he, and he comes in. And he's like, "All right." He's like, "Get off the table." He's like, "Come out here." Really cool doctor, by the way, um, Doctor Weintraub in uh, Burbank. Great urologist. And he goes, he's uh, puts up the X-ray, and I immediately see that spot right there on my right side that that I saw before. You know, the last time I had a X-ray and saw my kidney stone, I was like shit there it is there's the white spot and so um sure enough uh he's like well the good news is you're not passing a kidney stone he's like your your back pain is muscular whatever you're dealing with right now is uh you, you know it's not a kidney stone he goes however <laughs> look here here's there is a kidney stone in your kidney and he's pointing it out to me i i will post a photo um, he goes, this kidney stone, which is as big as the last one I passed, which was fucking massive. He goes, this kidney, he goes, luckily is in the bottom of your kidney. It's like in the lower part. And if you look at a kidney, if you go and Google it, you'll see the kidney. And on top is the ureter comes out of the top of the kidney and goes down to your bladder. Um, it kind of looks like a tomato, like with the vine coming out of the top. He goes, Usually, if you have a kidney stone in the bottom part of your kidney, there's a good chance you'll never pass that. It's just there. It can just sit in there for the rest of your life. You can just live the rest of your life with that kidney in there. We probably don't have to do anything. We probably don't have to break it up. Um, but I want you to come back in six months, and we'll see if it's moved. If it starts moving its way up towards the top of the kidney, then we'll we'll do the lith lithotropsy or whatever it's called to use sound waves to break it up. Uh, he's like, but for right now, I wouldn't even worry about this. This is not what's causing your pain. So I do have a kidney stone. Uh, the good news is I'm not passing it and there's a good chance I will never pass it. Um, I just have this calcium little rock inside my, <laughs> inside my kidney. So that's the update with all that. Um, yeah. So I'm feeling okay. I, I did uh, acupuncture yesterday on my back since it wasn't a kidney stone. My back feels a lot better today. I did notice, however, that um, since they were doing it on my back, I was laying on the table, which is one of those like massage tables with the, the hole in it for your face. And I'm not a person that sleeps face down. I don't like laying face down. It, I find it puts a little more pressure on my lower back and uh, generally makes me dizzier, uh, you know, because of my vertigo. So I, I'm laying there and she's doing this acupuncture for like an hour, hour and a half. I'm laying there. It, it's working. It's feeling good. But then she finishes and she's like, okay, get up. And like, I, I sit up and like get super dizzy, like super, super like, like level eight dizzy. Like just the, the room isn't visually spinning, but it's very close. And I was just like, whoa. And I had to just sit there on the table for like another 15 minutes. She's like, what's wrong? I go, I'm really dizzy. 
I go, I'm not used to laying on my stomach. And also the interesting thing was when I sat up from laying, I think everything in my sinuses had just moved to the front since I was laying face down. And when I sat up, my just sinuses felt like different. And so she's like, do you have sinus problems? I'm like, yeah, I've always had sinus problems. She's like, sit down in this chair. She's like, let me uh, do some acupuncture on your sinuses. So I stayed at like another half hour. Uh, I'll post photos of this too. She put some needles on either side of my nose, one in my forehead, one on the top of my head, two on these pressure points near my thumbs. And uh, as that was happening and for a couple hours after, my sinuses just started draining I've never experienced this. It was pretty amazing. I felt a lot better afterwards too. So I'm a huge believer in acupuncture. Um, I was breathing a lot better, you know, uh, I thought that was very interesting. So she's like, yeah, if you want to come in every, you know, few weeks or whatever and do this, she's like, I think it'll help your sinuses. Uh, but I'm also going to, you know, this week make an appointment to see an allergist. I I just got to do that. I have so many allergies and I just don't really know what I'm allergic to. I just know I'm always having problems. So while I'm on this uh, tear of making doctor's appointments and trying to figure out all my problems, I might as well add that to the list. Uh, Okay, so now I've talked, how long has it been? Oh yeah, it's been like 20 minutes. I'm going to call Dan Telfer. Uh, Dan is uh, a good friend of mine, a uh, comedian, very funny comedian. Uh, he used to work on At Midnight, Chris Hardwick show on Comedy Central. And uh, now he has a new job. He's the uh, editor of Mad Magazine, uh, which is insanely cool to me. And uh, I'm sure a lot of other people, because Mad, Mad Magazine meant a lot to me growing up. So we're going to call Dan right now. Um, Dan is a cancer survivor and we're going to talk about that. Um, since I could not get a hold of busy, she's probably snorkeling or zip lining through a jungle right now. Um, so I hope she's having a good relaxing time and comes back feeling better. And I hope she's wearing her sunglasses. <laughs> uh, so, uh, without any further ado, I'm a, I'm going to make some adjustments on this recorder so uh, I can call Dan. And then uh, next thing you hear, I'll be talking to Dan Telfer. Hold on one second. Okay, so let's give this a shot. I'm sitting in my truck here. Try calling Dan. Um, I think everything's hooked up right. (laughs) I'm always stressed doing this phone stuff. It's better in person. But what are you going to do? All right, here we go. Calling Dan. Hello? Dan Telfer. Can you hear me okay? I hear... Oh, shit. Hold on. (laughs) Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. What about... Can you hear me now great? I can still hear you now, great. Like, like this? Because my phone's far away from my face. Yeah, I can still hear you pretty good. You're a little more quiet now, but I, I am still all right with this. Um, okay, well, that works great for me. <laughs> as long as it's, uh, it's more convenient for me than you. Because I have, I'm, I'm recording this in my truck, mm. and I am uh, on my Zoom H6. 
and I have a special cable that plugs from my. It's an XLR cable that plugs from my Zoom into my iPhone. So, the people listening can hear you great. I can hear you great. The only problem great. is you still have to hear me through the the voice uh, mic on my phone. So if it's farther away, oh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just care about the I, I just care about the art of podcasting. Too. You care about the quality of we're no doctors. Yay for no doctors, except yay for doctors also. And you are, um, you're no, <laughs> you're no stranger to doctor's offices. I sure as fuck ain't. Um, so should we just hop right into it? I'm more than game. You know, I talk about this, I feel like too much in a lot of contexts where nobody wants to hear about it. So, uh, I'm, I've told you a few times I'd love to do your podcast because I feel like I'm a very private person also, but having cancer a couple of times really knocks the privacy out of you. You really kind of just go like, eh, fuck it. By the way, a couple times. You know, like, that's I a, feel like... That's a phrase that you never... You never, you never want with, like, words like cancer. I mean, I would rather have that you phrase... You want it, Obviously, it's with, like... chill. It's chill having the cancer. When it comes to winning the lottery, a couple times would be a phrase I would not mind. Oh, oh, my God. That was, oh, if we could trade that out. I, I haven't thought to ask, <laughs> but if anyone knows how to trade my previous cancer experiences for a couple of Mega Millions wins, it would be great. Did you have... Um, was it both? Was how many times? Two. Two. And was it the same? As far as I know, same. <laughs> was it the same kind of Might cancer? Have some secret cancer. Was What's it? That? Was it the same kind of cancer both times? Yeah. So I'll try and give you the elevator pitch on my cancer. So like, <laughs> the um, the the first time I had it, it was uh, a what they call a seminoma in my testicle. Seminoma. Um, Yes, which is a type of cancer. Uh, It's the most common, and it's the better. If you have a non-seminoma, I think it means that you've got some crazy shit that spreads really fast. Um, But it is still cancer. It's not like a. It's not like I had a big fleshy wad that had grown on accident. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, when it came back, it wasn't in my other testicle, but it was the same cancer, which can be a little confusing. So. Uh, I think the easiest way to put it is like wherever the cancer starts, unless it mutates or is a coincidence, it's usually the same name. So like if you get like, I, I don't know, I don't know what other cancers travel really easily, but let's say you just get like a cancer in your ear and it suddenly appears on your leg. That doesn't really make any sense probably, but they would still probably call it ear cancer the way I'm calling my second one testicular cancer okay and so where did it can you hear me yeah phone just got clickety clacky can you still hear me i hear you uh so okay well let's just start from the beginning what made you first go get checked uh one of my testicles was always a little bigger than the other so it took me a while but at one point after i moved to la and it had been a couple of months i was like man, one of my, one of my nuts really hurts like all the time. And it was, um, 
it was weird because they tell you in most like literature to like look for like a peb uh, like a pebble sized little kind of fleck or something. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't feel anything like that. It would just felt like one of my testicles might be larger and hurt like hell. So I was like, <laughs> and this was, was different. And then this was for months. Yeah. And, and, and to put things in perspective a little bit, I had just moved to Los Angeles after being laid off by the onion and losing my insurance. And right. I had gotten a new job and I got a new job on staff at a captioning place where like I wouldn't have health insurance until I'd worked there for three months. Right. So it was like, it was like right away. I was like, ah, this, this is the worst timing ever. And so I went to a clinic. Um, and it turns out if you go to a clinic, your doctor might just follow your lead when you say, I sure hope this isn't a huge thing cause I have no money. Right. So like he, he, I think he thought I was straight up dying and was like, <laughs> how do I like he, what he told me, I think he said I had, um, retrograde ejaculation. What's so, that? Like, I thought I was, so I thought I was, I thought I was dying and I told the doctor, like, I feel like I'm about to die, but I, I'm really poor. So I hope not. Yeah. And he was like, well, he was like, let me put my, my hands on this nut. And he did. And <laughs> he was like, well, and he just got that kind of look in his eye that a lot of um, doctors will get where they're like, you know, I, I could create more paperwork, but I'm a cop who's about to retire. So who cares? Right. So he was, so he was like, um, I think it's this. And the way he described it, I, 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 um, you know, on cabaret mm -hmm. that show. Yeah. The late, later that day I got to do on cabaret and I described it cause I thought it was so funny and it was, and I'll never be able to do that joke again because it was based on a misdiagnosis. But basically he said that because no one had touched me and I had been too angry at myself to masturbate for like months that like my, my ejaculation had gone like back up and like gotten infected. And so I just needed to take some antibiotics and I was fine. So he was like, you know, yeah, uh, go jerk off more and it'll go away. Did it hurt to masturbate? Maybe, oh, like hell, like my leg would go numb. Jesus, Ugh. but I didn't. But I didn't know that till after he suggested it. Right. <laughs> so like, so that was fun. Because uh, then I spent like a month going like, oh, I can't wait till jerking off gets rid of this tumor. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, so he then, just, he I, basically just heard you say no insurance, no money and gave you like the best case scenario, like the cheapest. Right. Cause I, and I like limped in there and I don't know if you've ever been to like a clinic in Hollywood, but it felt exactly like how you might imagine where it's just this oh, yeah. wasteland of, of young people with, with impossible dreams. And so I'm here. I wander in this dude in his late thirties who just, is like limping and probably going to die any second. And he's just like, Oh boy, how do I keep this dude's spirits up? You know, I'll tell him to jerk off. That'll work. Ugh, so like, Jesus. um, so like part of me is incredibly mad at this doctor and is like, Oh man, I should sue. But then I, I will probably never have enough money to sue this guy. So what, what the, <clears> who gives a shit? Right. And he probably, he probably did it out of empathy. So like, even though he's a jackass and I would, I would certainly not mind if some stranger slapped him real hard. Uh, in the end, like, I don't think it really made anything that worse. 
Um, so yeah, like another month and then my insurance kicks in and I don't feel great. So I'm like, I'm going to go to a for real doctor. And, um, is, right that, away is, it effect, like, is it affecting you other ways like your energy or is it just the pain? Well, I had uh, scaled back my diet and lost a lot of weight and was feeling really good about it. So who knows if that went to, for the right reason? Like, <laughs> right. Cause like, cause like I told my friend Pete, like that I had cancer and he was like, Oh, you know, I meant to say something, but you looked like you were in rough shape. And I was like, fuck you. I tried to lose that weight. Fuck everything. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But also, yeah, like I, I, I felt it nonstop. It, it, it didn't hurt, hurt. I don't know how to explain it, but like it, you were just it aware. It was like, yeah, it was like someone was in slow motion, gently flicking me in the testicle forever. Ugh, uh, and, 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 and like, um, I got into a fender bender because my leg muscle twitched. Wow. And I put my, I put my foot on the gas pedal and was like, Oh God, this is, I need to go back to the doctor. Wow. Like, yeah. And like I went, I did a show actually at the, uh, the Hollywood improv where Tig was on the bill and was like, <laughs> um, Ugh. because I hadn't been diagnosed, I had not been diagnosed yet, but I was like, I should go get this looked at. Right. So, um, I, uh, I went to real doctor and she was immediately like, dude, if you have a mass on your testicle, it is cancer. Like there's not a lot of like they have to remove this no matter what. And I was like, well, one of them's always been bigger and maybe it's swollen. And she was like, dude, no. <laughs> so I went to some specialists. Uh, they were like, you know, this is progressed a bit. Uh, it's bigger than we would like, but, right. but, uh, this is, this is a, it was a kind of cancer where you don't always need chemo. Right. It was like, there's, so they were like, you have three options. You can do radiation, uh, which can make you sick and can cause more cancer uh, in some some cases. You could you could do chemo, which will make all your hair fall out. It'll take weeks, but it is sort of the most effective way to get rid of it. Or you can just have your testicle removed and cross your fingers. Which and they were like, honestly, there's no. They did you know uh, blood tests and they're like, there's no sign that it's spreading. So, and they did all these scans, you know, every time you get cancer, they, they usually recommend you have your body scanned a thousand times. So right. I had like, I had a CT scan and I think it's called a PET scan where they put the radioactive isotope in you right? Uh, and then do a, like a 3D scan of your entire innards. Um, wow. And uh, they were like, yeah, so let's, you know, if, if you want to do just the removal and cross your fingers. That's well, great. wouldn't that was, you want to, wouldn't you want to just do the removal and the chemo? Like just to, this is a, this is a great question. And I think this is a question that a lot of people who have had yeah. this, uh, situation have a hard time answering. My whole thing was, I didn't want to tell anybody. Like I wanted to just live my life. And if you go to chemo, you're giving up, months of your life to go lose your hair and look like ass. Right. So like, so it, first of all, did I want to spend that money? Did I want to spend that time? Right. Did I want my, did I want my kids to be like, why is this, this bald weirdo in my house? Did I want to <laughs> right. tell my friends? Did I want to tell my friends? Oh, oh, Hey, what's up? I got one nut now. 
rant, especially because we're like, you know, if you're a comedian, they expect you to have jokes about it. And I, and if I'm being honest, it was a shit year and I was super depressed and I was like, I don't want to write no jokes about this. I want to write jokes about dinosaurs. Like, fuck this. right. Right. <laughs> so, like, if, I, if I'm given the option to be private, at least in 2013, I'm going to be like, Ugh, if you think I can get away with not telling anybody, great. I'll tell like my family and three friends and that'll be it. Yeah. Um, and I did, I told, uh, I told like, uh, my friend Pete, my friend Ryan, because I couldn't make his wedding in Chicago just because of the surgery. And I told, uh, Jackie Cation, uh, right. uh, and that was it. So, uh, three years go by with nothing. Everything's great. Wait, what did you opt to have? Do you have the testicle removed? Yeah, well, you have to get it removed. It's like, because basically when you gotcha. get testicular cancer, it just takes over your nut. Like, right. it's just, it, it, plant, it plants a flag in it. Right. It, it, it's like, uh, it's, what do you call it? Like those, um, like that fungus that infects an ant colony. Like the colony's fucked. You're yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. And, um, uh, and so I feel like as long as I get my regular checkups, I'll be fine. And so you, you, um, and you then, said years went by. Yeah, and this is where it gets dumb. So I get really cocky. And yeah. it, it, it's super expensive to get these scans, and it's a real big pain in the ass. And again, nobody really knows that I had cancer. So like, at this point, I've got a job on At Midnight, which uh, yeah. as a social media producer, I did not have insurance through them. I had to have private insurance. And right. So it was still re- really expensive to go get these scans. Right. But I was get I was getting him, and I didn't tell anybody that I was getting him for that reason. I would just be like, "Hey, I got a, another doctor's appointment for this sort of chronic thing that I have to deal with." Yeah. Um, and and I do feel a certain amount of embarrassment that I was so private about it. But again, like I, the amount of stigma I've had to deal with since I told everybody I had cancer, like yeah. the world, like social media, social media and shit, sure, has been a real fucking pain in the ass. Of course. It's really not fun. Like the, the amount of gigs I've had fizzle out because people just don't respond to me. And then I'll like finally hear back from them six months and be like, Oh, we just weren't sure you were healthy. And you're just like, what the fuck? It's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, like, yeah. And, and, and I honestly feel like it's just this really, really, really passive. Uh, I don't know how to put it, but you know, I'm a straight white dude. So I don't have to deal with a lot of discrimination. It really just feels like passive discrimination where people are, I don't know, worried you'll show up and do depressing cancer jokes or like worried, <laughs> you know, because they haven't. Well, cause, right. cause here's the thing. Oh, I, know. I feel like, I'm, I feel like it's a really kind of like, well, why haven't we seen you on TV doing a sweet joke about cancer yet? Like, right. kind of like, well, I guess, I guess he hasn't sorted it out kind of a sitch. And I only feel like I've got like, eight good minutes on it and I'd like to have more, but it's, it's really hard to do this material. I'm very jealous of people who've like knocked that kind of material out of the park because ugh, right. but it's hard. The, the, yeah. the amount of, yeah. the amount of like sympathetic, like, Oh, you get from the audience when you say this. I'm like, yeah, like I've, I've, I've done really lighthearted jokes about it and had people just burst into tears and then oh. like, well, the whole audience saw that happen. So like, it's <laughs> Jesus. So like on one hand, I spent uh, 2013, 14, and 15 with no one knowing I had cancer, and it was a relief. Right. But on the other hand, it, on the other hand, it was like straight up 
living the denial life and enjoying all the uh, the benefits of uh, being in clinical denial, just straight up lying to yourself and being like, well, I, I aced that test. Fuck it. But you were still you know? getting scans, right? Well, here's the thing. So I was, but I, I started getting really, I'm so bad about being organized where like, I, I like being organized. It really helps as somebody with OCD. Like if I can put everything in the nice clean line, but I have really bad memory and I have really bad anxiety. So like I was just, I was ignoring the calendar. It, you know, right, I would go right, to my right. appointments. I would go to my appointments, but they would be months apart. I would go see my oncologist and she'd be like, all right, see you in three months. Do you want to make the appointment now? And I'd be like, sure. And yeah. then I'd get to the front desk and be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I won't. Maybe yeah. I'll finally get staffed up on a TV show by then. Yeah, and the yeah. schedule will be weird. You know, so like. I do that same uh, shit, man. I don't, don't know. I don't um, know what that is. I'm And I'm trying to fucking. Not, I've been actively trying to not do that. That's why I've been going to so many, uh, you know, doctor's appointments lately. Cause I'm like, you know, when I'm at that front desk, I'm like, yes, let's set it up now. Give me a card with a date to remind me. I'm also putting it in my calendar. Cause if I don't do it right away, same thing, I will fucking just keep blowing it off. Not realizing how much time has passed. Yeah. And, and don't, I mean, it's, it's really easy to have it have like just a little bit of putting off become a year, which is what happened to me. I went a year without a checkup. Right. Um, and, and it was fine cause I was getting to the point where like, you're not technically supposed to use the word remission. I think until it's been five years with no cancer, Right. but it was getting to the point where I could push my appointments farther apart. Yeah. And so I basically took, like, I, I, I think I had my first appointment where I could make it instead of three months apart, six months. And I just let that six months drag. Right. Thinking like, oh, I'm only a little behind. Oh, I'm about to do it. Oh, I'm only a little behind. And then finally I was um, watching TV with my wife and I was like, man, I feel like a weird bump in my stomach, like above my belly button, Ugh. like just like a weird bump. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily thin, so it was kind of just like, I wonder if I have some weird, like, hernia that doesn't hurt yet or something. And it didn't hurt at all. Right. Uh, not even not even a little, but, like, it was one of those things where, I, like, for a couple hours, I started pushing on it. And uh, the consistency and the reality of it was enough that I started having, like, a massive panic attack and just going, like, oh, no. Like, and that felt bad enough that it, I may as well have gotten you know, a really bad pain from it. Right. Um, yeah. And so I, I go to the doctor and it's the same general practitioner I had through all the stuff the first time around. Sure. Uh, wait, actually, let me think about it. No, actually it's someone at her, at their practice. It's a new doctor at the same practice for general practitioner. But by the way, by the way, even though a year has gone by, all your scans up to this point have been clean, right? Correct. There's okay. been no sign. And, and the big thing they warn you about is, um, is this can spread to some danger areas, even though it's highly survivable. Like, even though, like, uh, testicular seminoma rarely spreads, it also is rarely fatal. So you've just got all these reasons to be like, oh, yeah, rare. I'm super good. Right. You're like, they, they, uh, they, odds are in they my favor. 
Right. Oh, they constantly dangle shit in front of you. Like, oh, this is probably going to be super. You're going to have the most chill cancer. It's going to be like, it's going to be <laughs> like a most chill yeah. cancer. You're just going to take like a like a weekend trip to Cancer Town, and then you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so like, um, but I so I have a new doctor, and she kind of does. Uh, a really optimistic series of diagnoses, but it's like you have to get a blood test immediately and you have to get a scan immediately because this is potentially related to the cancer you had three years ago. Right. Um, but she, but she kind of was like hanging some, some hopes on this thing where she was like, Oh, it's, it's in your stomach, which is weird. So like, it's probably just like a fleshy mass and we'll just pop it right out of there. Um, <sighs> And so I get a scan and a blood test and I'm at work and, um, I get a phone call and they're like, Hey, did you, we need to talk about your results. And I was like, "Uh oh, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk means time to go for a little walk around studio lot. Right. So, um, she's like, uh, we should try to get this out of you cause it, you're showing signs of cancer in your blood test. And I was like, okay. Ugh. And, um, she was like, yeah, go, go see your urologist and have them refer to you an oncologist. And I'll try to help you get these appointments really quick. And this is where it all starts to get kind of like, uh, you know, you're playing the, your life is being taken over game and it gets really stressful because yeah. these appointments, uh, like have to be done. They're incredibly uh, important, but you know, and it turned out to be the case. Like some of your doctors will be amazing and aggressive and fast and clear and smart. Yeah. But some of your doctors, some of your doctors will be like all but one of those things. And that one little gap will make your life a living hell. Right. And it just turned out that my urologist's office was the most chaotic and poorly like administratively run office. And, uh. and my urologist, and my urologist was like the stopgap between my, my, my general practitioner and my cancer doctor. Right. Cause there, cause, cause originally I had, I had the cancer in my wee wee. So they didn't want to keep making me go to the wee wee doctor. Uh, <laughs> right. And, um, and finally, you know, long story short, I'm like experiencing tons of new symptoms as I'm waiting for these other doctors uh, to get back to me. Like it goes from, I feel a harmless, painless lump in my abdomen to all this other shit starts going down. And, uh, then they're like, you know, this mass is too big to be removed. Like there's no removing this. Like the, there is a tumor in your abdomen, the size of a medium sized octopus. And it is strangling one of your kidneys to death. Jesus. And it is, it is all over your intestines. And it's, it's just, it's like a huge, it's, it's all over the place and there's no formal math to it. It's just, it's like a fucking it's like the Dr. Bob. Ian Malcolm. It's like a, well, yeah, I was going to say like, um, one of those, uh, those like chaos things from Jurassic park. Like, it's just like a right. spiral. It's just, it's just, it's gone completely bananas. Um, just so, in a year that happened. Yeah. So I was totally clean. And then as that, as I let that year slip by, this thing just grew like a motherfucker. Yeah. And if I had taken a blood test just a few months earlier, it might've been something they could have pulled out with some knives. Wow. But, um, but then they're like, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you now have a uh, T2 or what's known as stage one B seminoma, 
uh, still a good prognosis, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it has progressed significantly. And uh, I think what was it? It wasn't even like one B. Like one one B might have been what it was the first time. Um, this was worse. I mean, right. it was it was it had it had spread. It had gone through my lymphatic system. Um, so you know, you have lymph nodes down near your testicles and you have lymph nodes all over your body, up your back and your stomach, Yeah, just all over the goddamn place. You have these little lymph nodes yeah. and they're all connected by these little hormone trails. And the cancer had just done a quick little jog up a trail up into my abdomen and, uh, started a little thin city colony up there. So, right. um, I had to, uh, have that treated and they were like, okay, you know, probably should do chemo. We'll see how you respond. And you know, Long story short, the chemo went well, and yeah. now I'm fine. I'm fine as far as I know. And there's all sorts of other horror story stuff in there, but uh, I will leave it to you to decide what you want to know because I don't know how deep into the weeds you want to go. But this thing, uh, I kicked its ass, but it was a, right. it was like one of those things. I remember, like one of those yeah. things where like, um, yeah, because you saw me at Bridgetown, right? When I was fresh out of chemo. Yeah, you had no hair at all. I, I think. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I look like shit. Like I, 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 I wasn't embarrassed, but I, I, had a I few, would not. I, still had, I would not say you look like shit. You, you clearly. I, I mean, clearly something was wrong because you had lost all your hair. I think even your eyebrows. Um, but yeah. you, you didn't look There's a little eyebrow. Yeah, you didn't look horrible. I, well, I again, nice I, that, I, 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 I again feel like. You know, for a lot of people, it's very, it's a self-conscious aesthetic, but for... Well, it it gave me so many different problems, not just chemo, but the cancer itself, like, gave me so many crazy, very difficult to deal with symptoms that I I could never, never fit them all in this podcast. Like, I don't even know where to start. From the chemo? From both. Because, like, you're fighting the chemo and the... And the, and the cancer at the same time. Because the cancer is this like literal mass that is strangling you. And then the chemo is uh, giant bags of poison that you're injecting into your body. So, uh, did, you, like, did you lose the kidney that it was strangling? Yes. So the kind of chemo that I was getting, you really kind of like can use both your kidneys to help filter all the poison. So right, right. Um, I was about to lose my right kidney. Like it was, uh, how do I put this? The, the, the ureter that connects your kidney to your bladder was being strangled. Uh, it was right. being closed off. It was right. being pinched shut. And like the tissue of the tumor was beginning to blend in even with the ureter as it was kind of pinching it. So, and that just causes like there was, everything to back up back into your kidneys and infect it and, Right. So like my kidney was operating, I think they said it like 15%, my right one. And they were like, but they were like, we don't want to pull it out because you might need it for the chemo. So they put a tube in it and I was wearing a bag uh, that I had to empty. And I wore that bag for like a long time for, for months. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. And it was, it was, yeah, it was at Bridgetown. I had this bag sticking out of my back and strapped to my leg. Uh, and, uh, it was to keep, that kidney on life support and just filter even a fraction of all the poison going through me from the chemo out. Right. And then that, that all was like it. I think I did chemo like February through April. And then 
like Bridgetown when you saw me there at least was in May. And then I, I couldn't get my key, my kidney out until August. So like, Oh wow. But they had to take the kidney out because I was peeing blood and bits of tissue and right. passing like right. I was passing stuff. They, they didn't even know if it was a kidney stone or a chunk of my kidney. Right. Um, and so like, uh, they took the kidney out eventually. They had to. It was basically dead. It was a zombie kidney. Well, yeah, and they don't want that stuff going down into your bladder and no. infecting your bladder. I assume. Well, right, because it was full. It was just. It was full of backed up stuff, and and um, having the bag tied to it helped clear it out. You know, but it wasn't yeah. that much stuff. Like, right. For the most part, my kidney was so fucked up that not even a lot was going into it anymore. Right. And you can, and it's very easy and, you know, people function fine with just one kidney anyway. Yeah, I, I have, um, I have a niece that was born with one kidney. No way. No way. Yeah. Happens all the time. I had, I've never heard of that. Do, um, do you know if this, what's it, what's it, what's the form of cancer called again? Uh, seminoma. Seminoma. Is that, um, genetic? Has anyone else in your family? I I think, um, not that I know of. No, I don't, neither of my parents have had cancer. Um, my one biological sibling has not had cancer. Right. Um, so uh, I think my, my, my paternal grandmother died of lung cancer, but she smoked like 10 packs a day. Right. So there's that. And they don't, so they don't know what causes this. It just happens. Well, sure. And I think, I don't know, and, and all sorts of weird stuff, you know, people love to, as soon as they find out you have cancer, be like, oh, have you thought about switching to being a vegetarian? Like I had someone say that to me <laughs> like five or six, five or six times. And I had to stop myself from being like, I've been a vegetarian for 23 years, motherfucker. You know, like, cause yeah. people are so uh, like, I, people tell me I, I didn't pray enough. People will tell me that I didn't exercise <laughs> no, enough. No, no, no. Oh, so many people were like, don't even do, people are like, don't do chemo. Only idiots do chemo. It's a, it's a trick. And I was like, no, that's, so uh, I've actually, well, no, it's not. And I, I actually had this really amazing oncologist who knew the guy at Indiana university who invented this chemo they used to treat the seminoma in like the seventies. Oh, wow. I, and I read everything and was like, this makes, this makes sense. Let's do it. You know, it, it's a very specific kind of poison that kills a very specific kind of cell. There's so many kinds of cells in your body and we are lucky that we as a civilization right. can, you know, not, not, not necessarily know how to cure or what causes cancer, but we can say it's a mutation of cells. It's, it's a, it's a certain kind of cell in your body and we know how to kill that kind of cell. And that's what this is. You're just pumping that sweet poison in there that's designed very specifically to kill that kind of cell. So I was doing the best thing I could, but yeah, like my finger and toenails were all detaching and right. uh, all sorts of, all sorts of crazy shit. Was it making you physically feel ill as well? Like nauseous and a little bit, I had pretty good nausea drugs. Um, oh, okay. I, the kind of, so luckily I didn't have to deal too much with nausea. And also like what was great was like everything tasted bad. 
but like I had, a, I had people sending me a bunch of pizza. Like I was getting a bunch of frozen pizza and that still tasted good. So I was oh, eating good. pizza like four, meal, four meals a day. That's, and I was, good. that's good to know. Yeah. Pizza doesn't get ruined by chemo. Well, it, it's different for everybody. I remember I talked to Greg Barrett um, when I got diagnosed cause I was, cause he was a very cool resource for me. And, uh, he was like, yeah, it's going to be different. Some stuff's going to taste like a bathroom floor and, you, and you'll never want to eat it again. Uh, wow. But, you know, feel it out. Like he was like, he was like ginger ale was my favorite thing. And that really worked for me too. Like I, I couldn't drink water. Water just all tasted dirty. Really? And, uh, but, but ginger ale worked for some reason. I think it was like just something about the tanginess of the ginger, like canceled out whatever weird right. uh, corn syrup flavor was there. But I couldn't do soda. I couldn't do all sorts of shit. That's insane. I had no idea that it affected your taste buds like that. Ugh. Well, I think uh, one of the lessons here... Are you still there? Yeah, hang on one second. I have to send a text for work one second. Okay. okay. I am... Uh, making this phone right, call. I'm, I'm making again. this phone call with Dan who is at work as we speak and kind enough to take half an hour off to talk to us. Oh, there you are. You're back. I am back. Hello. Well, I think what the main takeaways from this and it's something that busy and I always try to uh, emphasize is a trust your body and get checked, you know, whenever there's something wrong and, uh, and don't put that shit off. You know, we had Janine Garofalo on the podcast um, from Sketchfest, and Janine doesn't go and get checked for anything ever, and she never wants to because she's afraid of what she'll find. Yeah, don't do that. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people like that. I kind of used to be like that. I was like, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go get a, you know, CT scan. What if they find something? I'm like, but it's like, yeah, you want, obviously you want nothing to be found, but if there's something wrong, you want it to be found, you know, in an early stage so it can be fixed relatively easy and, you know, with no difficulty. And well, I guess that's what easy is. <laughs> yeah. Can I, soap, can, can, can I soapbox for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I, I feel like I have a very strong opinion on, on this whole phenomena as somebody who almost died because they, they did that. Yeah. Um, uh, it, there's two kinds of every disease. There's, there's every, every diagnosis, there's two versions of it. There's the actual diagnosis, and then there's the bullshit, mythological, boogeyman, garbage diagnosis version of it that lives in your brain. Right. Um, no one human being, be you the patient or the doctor, is capable of grasping all the scientific details of any disease. Right. So if you don't have any information, you are playing up the nightmare garbage bullshit version of the disease in your head. Right. Not every, not every disease is treatable, mm-hmm. but there's, there's options for everything and ways to be more comfortable and ways to treat uh, in a hopeful way. So Sure. You know, like, like cancer, like I was joking at the beginning of our conversation about how like it's no big deal or everyone has it or whatever, but like 
it's true. Like the more civilization advanced, it's not just that more people are getting it because of pollution, which is I think true. It's uh-huh. also like, it's also, we're just diagnosing it faster and more often because we're noticing it more and we have better that's tests. True. That's like, true. I didn't even think about and, that. And, and I think, I think we need to like keep in mind that cancer has this weird reputation of being like a black X on your door, but really it's just your body fucking up. It's your body it's dribbling a basketball and it trips. That's all it really is. I mean, it, it, it can kill you for sure. And it can be fast and deadly and terrifying yeah. and painful. But, but, um, but it, if you're choosing to ignore that, you're, you're becoming the disease. You're, 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 yeah. you're surrendering, you're surrendering to that genetic hiccup and you got to kind of like, and you are also yeah. stoking the fire that will become the worst case scenario by ignoring it. Right. Like I always, I always have a really, my, my oncologist rules. It's uh, Dr. Daphne Stewart. She's out in our, in uh, Monrovia. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and we joke about all the symptoms I would never have had if I had gone to the doctor sooner. Like I am, I am a clinical case. She keeps telling me like, I am a walking PSA for this. Like I, my, I have one toenail that looks like a fucking Eagle claw and it will probably look like that for like the rest of my life. And it, it, and it's because it's because I had this chemo, um, in, in the specific dose that I did. And it, and it just, it just, affected me that way and uh my kidney i'd probably have my kidney if i had gone like you know it wouldn't have taken out my kidney because i didn't have kidney cancer i had a weird octopus cancer that grew out of my nut so like right but i mean and this is all back you know uh monday morning morning quarterbacking you know woulda coulda shoulda but um i mean you know you're alive which is good and, uh, yeah. but yeah, best case scenario, you should have gone in earlier, but you know, you know, you're able to now tell other people that they can do that. I mean, that's, well, I like that's really, to. that's really all, that's so much of what this podcast turned into. You know, I was telling someone recently that busy and I just started doing this because my, you know, ex-girlfriend at my girlfriend at the time was like, you're such a hypochondriac. You're so neurotic. You should be doing a podcast about this. And so it was kind of as a joke and to be funny about like, Oh, you know, busy had a panic attack in an MRI machine. That isn't that hilarious. And then once we started, you know, interviewing people who had had strokes, who had been in comas, who had almost died, it, it grew into something much more, um, and I think that's added to the, you know, what's made it so popular is that it's not just busy and I thinking that, you know, that we're dying. It's like actual information, helpful information. You know, it's, yeah, and like you said, you know, people have a preconceived notion in their head of what cancer is, what other diseases are, and it's usually the worst case scenario, like, they think if they get a cancer diagnosis, it's going to be, you know, what if I find out it's spread throughout my whole body and I'm going to have a very slow, painful death. And if you don't get checked, your odds of that shit happening are fucking skyrocketing. You're, you're, yep. you're enabling your worst case scenario by not getting checked. Exactly. And, and, and I honestly have a really treatable 
form of cancer. Like it, it was super treatable. Like that's the key. Like yeah. I, the kind of chemo, the kind of chemo I got had a 95% survival rate. Yeah. But, but because I waited so long, I had to go to the emergency room because I was peeing blood and I didn't know how to stop. So it's like, yeah, there's, I would much rather have one testicle than obviously being dead or just having to deal with the symptoms of an advanced cancer. You know, it's so oh, much having more. one testicle. I, it, no one even notices. It's like no, <laughs> everything still it works with exactly one testicle. I know so many people with one testicle that it's not even. You know, when you uh, sure when you're in fucking junior high and high school, the thought of that is hilarious. But like, I'm a fucking adult. I know so many people with that. So many people <laughs> whose lives have been saved because of that that it's not even funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, testicles are dumb. Why? Why would you have? <laughs> they are fucking horrible. I fucking. They're maybe <laughs> the dumbest thing in the human anatomy. There's. It's it's it's. <laughs> It's only it's only on the outside of your body to keep them from boiling. So you basically have like <laughs> this incredibly vulnerable thing just They're dangling. Painful. Uh, they are, testicles are so fucking. They're such a bummer. I hate having them. They keep stretching the. You know, my scrotum keeps stretching the older I get. Like, yeah, it's you know, I'm look. I'm glad I have both mine, but. You know, I wouldn't hesitate, you know, at this point to, you know, if I thought something was wrong and this could save my life to just be like, yep, let's get rid of it. You know, no brainer. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, you also hit, I think, a point once you've had a, uh, a couple dozen surgeries like I have, like various, you know, doctors taking giant tools and just like poking inside your abdomen, looking for chunks of biopsy material. Just like, you just kind of go, you know what? Take whatever. As long as, as long as I can, like, 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 I don't know how to, this will sound a little ignorant because there's people who've had it much worse than me. And I apologize for that. But I know I personally hit a point where I was like, I could be a vegetable and it would be fine. Yeah. yeah. I I don't care. You know, like, I don't care what I lose at this point. I don't care if I lose my legs. I don't, you know, I, I, I was, there was points where I was bedridden and I was just like, yeah, this is fine. This is fine. Yeah, there's, this is the worst it gets. <laughs> there's a level of discomfort that, uh, surpasses everything you ever imagined in your head where you're like, do f- fucking do whatever you have to just make this discomfort go away. I don't care if I lose a limb, you know, fucking I, I, you know, and again, a lot of it has to do with embarrassment, you know, from when you're younger or, you know, self-conscious, oh, you know, uh, take it, exterior yeah, take stuff. Take it from me, like, once it, once it gets as bad as it got for me, you will not care about that stuff anymore. Exactly. Like, you will, you'll have a, like, you'll have several, if not dozens of epiphanies later in your life where you're like, wow, I cared about some really dumb bullshit. And, yes, and yes, yes. And and it, honestly, like I don't know, whatever whatever boogeyman you have in your head, uh, there's both like both reality is is better and worse than that boogeyman. Sure, like the, the, the world is more dangerous than I than you'll ever realize, and your disease is probably not as bad. Yeah, I you know I've 
dealt with. You know, when I was, I think it was 17 or 18 when I had my appendix out, but leading up to my uh, appendicitis, uh, I was going through a lot of pain that, like, the doctors couldn't figure out what it was. It was, like, really just intense abdominal pain that would just come out of the blue. And, you know, my appendix hadn't burst, so they couldn't say, well, it's your appendix. Like, they didn't know. And, you know, when you're young, there's a certain uh, fear or embarrassment of, like, oh, I I can't believe, you know, when I turn 50, I'm going to have to have a, you know, a rectal exam. And, and, and then when, here you are, 18, and you, you're in so much pain that you're just like, yeah, put your whole hand up my ass. I don't even care. Like, my pain and discomfort has far outweighed any um, sense of pride or dignity, you know, that I have right now. Yeah. I just want my quality of life to be better. And I, you know, I experienced that, you know, watching my dad die, where he was, it was interesting because he was too proud to go get his knee fixed. You know, he was a doctor too. And he was, had this osteoarthritis that he was like, he just dealt with for months and months while his knee got worse and worse. And it was kind of pride. And I think he was also afraid to have, as a doctor, he was actually afraid, I think, to have surgery. And so he put it off to the point where everything just got worse and snowballed. And, you know, I mean, he lived, he died like two months before his 86th birthday, which is pretty good for a man, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but had he had that knee surgery when he, uh, first had the symptoms, I feel like he probably would have, you know, lived to be at least 90. Like he, he was, he was really active and then this happened and, you know, and watching him go from like, I don't want to have surgery to, to being in a point where he reconciled everything while he was, you know, in intensive care and dying and just being like, yeah, I'm ready to go. This is, this, this is no, my quality of life is just in the toilet. He's like, he was not, you know, when it happened, he was not afraid to die. You know, it's, it's just interesting you know, what we put up with before we get to that point when we don't even have to put up with it. I mean, surgery sucks. I've had so many now. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it's no fun. And, and there's, there's the worst is how you'll have to have probably a lot in your life where you're awake during them or whatever. And it's like, sure. why, why am I living through this? This is not what I, I signed up for. But uh, it's once you're done, yeah, it's it's more, it's more satisfying than any other thing in the world when yeah, you're done with that. I, I agree. I agree. The couple surgeries I've, I've had, I've been oh, asleep man. for, and I'm like, you're totally terrified leading up to it, and then you get an injection, and you're told to count backwards, and all of a sudden, you're in a different room, and it's been over with for hours. And yeah, you're a little sore and, you know, you're in some discomfort for a few days or a week or whatever. And, but it's usually, you know, not as bad as we make it out in our heads. I mean, I know there are exceptions, you know? Well, uh, I think I've got to go to a Mad Magazine meeting, sir. Speaking of Mad, okay, I'll let you go, but let's plug this because you are the editor at the, the new Mad Magazine, correct? Yeah, I'm the I'm the senior senior editor, which is fucking bananas. 
of Mad Magazine, a, a magazine I grew up with uh, and who I'm sure a lot I grew of, up with. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have grown up with. And at the very least, even if they never read it or familiar, I, everyone knows what Alfred E. Newman looks like in uh, Spy versus Spy and all that stuff. And so it's very iconic and it's very exciting that you're the senior yeah. senior editor of this magazine. Which yeah. uh, and we just we just released the uh, the logo and the cover of issue number one. We're rebooting it at number one, so please that. everybody go check that out. Yeah, when does that? Uh, when does uh, the new uh, new magazine come it'll, out? It'll um, it'll be on newsstands the week of uh, April fifteenth. But if you subscribe uh, for I think two or three years, you get a little tiki mug, like a, they're geeky tiki's. I don't know if you've seen those. They make them for like Star Wars and stuff. Oh, yeah, a little yeah. Alfred E. Newman. Like, yeah, yeah. Highly worth it. So, uh, and everyone can find you on social media. Is, is it at Dan Telfer? It sure is. T E L F E R. The usual, yeah. the usual spelling of, uh, of Dan. <laughs> hopefully, you'll. Uh, I'll see you back on Nerd Poker soon. I would love that, man. Uh, thanks, dude. Thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks for giving me uh, some 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 platform to vent about peeing blood. Well, people need to hear about it, like it or not. I'm uh, I'm convinced the more people hear about this shit, the more people will do something about it. It's worse in your head, even if it's worse than you ever imagined in real life. It's worse in your head. <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, all right, man. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon, man. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. That was uh, Dan Telfer. Very good friend of mine. Very funny individual. Cancer survivor. You, you guys just... Honestly, I, I say this all the time, but Jesus Christ, if you feel like something's wrong, just go get it checked, even if it feels like something that's probably nothing, and maybe it is. Please, please, please go get checked. Um, what's the worst that can happen, you know? I mean, I know for a lot of people, the worst that can happen is you get a hefty doctor's bill, but sometimes that's just worth your peace of mind, you know? Uh, so thanks for listening, and um, we'll catch you next week. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye. It's a good show. Hey, everyone. It's me, Steve. AG, you know. <laughs> I'm here to let you know that Starburns Audio has a new survey. Uh, just go to starburns.audio slash survey. Um, we're trying to get to know our listeners a little bit better. Uh, and it only takes a few minutes, I promise. But uh, it makes a massive difference to the podcasters at um, Starburns Audio. Believe me, we uh, are trying to get to know a little bit more about you, what you like, what you don't like. Um ideas you may have to make things run smoother. Um, this really is a helpful survey because um, currently podcasting is still kind of like the Wild West. We still don't know a lot. It's uh, it's a new medium. Um, so your responses make everything a lot easier. Uh, it's incredibly helpful and uh, incredibly quick. So again, just go to starburns.audio slash survey. And uh, fill it out. Help help a brother out, all right? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hello, I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman 
rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL. LOL. The 70s were crazy. Night. <laughs> the crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Scarface, 22 to 45. <laughs> like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Yin Yang Twins. Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would he even why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype <laughs> and that he has come for his cocaine. <laughs> As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P-E in Spanish, (laughs) he spots his dear friend, who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. Scarface yells out his signature line. (laughs) Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. (laughs) 